again this morning. Good to have Pastor Don Ball with us, Tabernacle Baptist Church in Lebanon, Missouri, and uh, he's going to have our first message. Brother Ball, so good to have you, brother. Well, amen. It's great to be here this morning. And if you want to take your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter number 1. The uh, bad part about going on Thursday is that everything that could be preached has already been preached. You've had a heart attack a few times when folks have been all over. Matter of fact, my text has already been read and preached. Um, but I just want to say thank you to um, uh, the folks here at Mount Zion. Thank you so much just uh, from uh, walking in the door and the greeters, the parking attendants, you know, just all of the little things um, that go into making the meeting uh, really a joy and uh, the meals have been great and fellowship. And so thank you so much. And I'm sure that many of them are not here um, they're probably out doing their job, but uh, it really has been a blessing, and it's been a joy to be here with each and every one of you, and uh, getting to meet some new friends. I um, am very uh, thankful for uh, the ministry, and uh, I've had the privilege of now being in Lebanon for 28 years. It's the only church I've ever served at, and so it's really a blessing um, but with that um, goes a lot of heartache. Um, you've seen a lot of things, and you certainly love dearly, and you hurt dearly. Um, and uh, just want to try to, you know, bear my heart a little bit and uh, try to be a help this morning. So I want to tell you about a story that, um, that happened a couple of years ago. My wife and I, maybe one of our children, were traveling to Oklahoma, I think, for a meeting. And uh, so we were just driving along, and you know how things happen. Out of nowhere, there was this large-bodied doe that decides to cross the westbound lanes of I-44. She was at a pretty good clip. I don't know what she was doing, what she was running from, or what she thought she was doing. But she uh, went across the westbound lanes and uh, hopped the catch fence and went across the median. And that was all in front of me. All I had to do was just tap the brake, maybe slow down a little bit to make sure everything was okay, take the cruise off, and it was fine. But I watched her make her progression, and I could see that the eastbound lanes was full of traffic. And uh, you started thinking, this could be bad. So uh, by the time I got beside her, she was into the traffic. And I watched in the rearview mirror, what took place. It's probably not the best thing to do. You're supposed to be looking forward, but NASCAR drivers do it all the time, so I thought I could. <laughs> I hear all the time they drive watching out the rearview mirror, so I thought I'd attempt it. But I watched that doe uh, hit the passing lane on the eastbound side, hit a maroon uh, crossover or maybe a minivan, and I saw the fender fly up, and I saw the chaos. And, of course, you see brake lights, and you see cars begin to swerve. Saw cars going off the right side of the road and smoke. You know, you could just see the puff of smoke. You knew somebody had gone off the side of the road. 
and uh, you saw brake lights, 18-wheelers locking up trailer brakes, smoke everywhere. And the thought came to my mind when I was much younger, my dad had said, son, this will be a really hard lesson for you to understand, but as you're learning to drive, don't swerve for an animal that comes on the road. Some little dog or cat, and it's going to be everything that you have within your power to not swerve, to go straight. But he said, son, I promise you, the problems of swerving are much worse than the damage that will be done by hitting the animal. 1 Timothy chapter number 1. just want to look at uh, just a couple of verses here. We're so familiar with this text. Verse number five, now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling. Let's just pray again this morning. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the honor and the privilege to be at this very special place. Lord, I, I just want to be a help today and this is what you burdened me for. And so God, I pray that you take these simple thoughts and words and God, that you would accomplish a mighty work in the hearts of your people. And uh, God, I pray that you just help me get out of the way and that your word would be clear, your application would be clear in Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's pretty simple. We're familiar with the text. We understand the context, if you would, of uh, this passage here in chapter number one, verses one and two. Uh, we see the commencement of the letter. Uh, there's the signature. We know this was the Apostle Paul that was writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. And he gives him the salutation, if you would, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he gets right into it in verses 3 and 4, and he talks about the corrosion of the truth. He talks about the problem of a contaminated faith in verse number 3, and the problem of corrupt fables that had entered in in verse number 4. We'll skip over verses 5 and 6, and we'll come back to that. And then he not only we see the context, but then verses 7 through 11 talks about the corruption. And the, the, the corruption is not a new subject here in the New Testament for us. Um, Paul had written to the churches of Galatia all about the fact that they were free from the law and yet they were seemingly wanting to turn back and go in and mix the law in as a part of uh, salvation. And so uh, it says here in verse number 8, God's Word says, but we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. And so we understand that the law is a schoolmaster. It's not necessary for salvation. And yet the Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy and he's saying, uh, uh, be careful of this corruption. It's out there. 
I think he's also just reminding him in the list of, of, of all the people that are listed here is that these are not the right things to do. And you could go through the whole list, uh, the lawless, the disobedient, the ungodly, the unholy, the profane. I mean, we can go through the whole list. And so he's uh, trying to help Timothy, number one, with the issue of legalism and uh, mixing uh, works with salvation. But I, I think there's also this idea that, Timothy, this is not who we are. And let's uh, live for God because the law's not all bad. There's lots of good things in the law that can help guide our life. It's the misuse or the misapplication of the law or of Scripture that is evil and what he's cautioning Timothy about. And so we see the context and the corruption. And then we go back to verses 5 and 6 and I really want to just talk about the crisis. The crisis, if you would. Isn't this awesome? Just been preaching a few minutes. We're already two-thirds of the way done. That's just to make you feel good. <laughs> the word swerve means to turn aside abruptly from a straight line or course. It means to deviate. Swerving is the number one cause of driving deaths in America. Uh, it is above tailgating. It is above speeding. The National Highway and Transportation Safety Administration back a few years ago, uh, they tracked 12,000 injury crashes involving animals. Of the 12,000 crashes, 173 of them were fatal crashes. And of the 173 fatal crashes, only a very small number of them were from the animal. Most of them were from the swerving, which resulted in a head-on collision or a rollover or a head-on collision off the side into a tree. Most human injuries from animal collisions, they don't occur when the animal hits the car, but what results from the swerve to... Avoid, potentially, the animal. Paul's telling Timothy, uh, there are many that have swerved and turned away. There are many that uh, were on a path, were, were, were going in the direction God wanted them to go, and some reason, some way, they have swerved. They're not going in the same direction that they were once going. I think this morning it would be good for us to maybe look at this idea of swerving and maybe have some compassion for some of our people who swerve. You know, swerving is not always, they're not intending to go off the road and kill themselves. I think that's one application we can make. They're not gone when they swerve. There's still the chance for restoration. I think the other application, give it to you here at the beginning, and we may deal with it as we go, is that uh, you and I need to be careful and not uh, explain away our swerving. Because we don't deal with our swerving, and if we uh, swerve too long, then before long we're off the path. And maybe we've rolled over and maybe we've 
had a head-on collision. Anybody here um, ever been driving down the road and you look up and there's this part of a tire, maybe a recap? Maybe, is that the term somebody says, an alligator? I mean, yeah. That's like CB talk from years ago, I guess. I'm not old enough to even know what a CD, a CB is, but uh, I'm really young. But uh, we've all been going down the road, and it's huge, and we're just thinking about what it could do if we have to hit it. And, you know, we've all envisioned, we look in the rearview mirror, there traffic, how can we go around it? What about the median? For me, I'm thinking, is there glass over there? You know, all those things. And so we, we go ahead and we go around it. I, I call that calculated swerving. We kind of weigh the options and we take a look at it and we make a decision that the best thing to do is not to go over it, but to go around it. This is kind of an intentional swerve, if you would. You know, there's people in our churches, there's even times that you and I have looked at a situation and decided that we need a slight change of direction. And again, it's not always bad. You can take this and go different directions. We all experienced COVID, and I think there was some swerving going on. But let's be honest, just because we uh, stop going door-to-door soul winning doesn't mean that we just get rid of it now for the rest of our lives. Just because we live stream for a few weeks or for whatever length of time you chose to do in your area doesn't mean that that's the best plan. So there's some swerving that is intentional sometimes, but we don't want to stay off the road because there's some serious dangers once we get off the path that is right for your life and mine. Paul's telling Timothy, listen, you need to understand there has been some swerving and some of them have turned aside. You ever heard things like this? Pastor, we love you. But we're just not getting our needs, our needs met here. We're going to visit elsewhere. We're going to swerve. We have friends over there. It just seems like uh, our church is all about the rules. We're, we're, we're kind of more relationship people. Like, I'm a monster? There's just, this doesn't seem like we love enough here. What do you want me to do? Give you a hug right now? I mean, (laughs) seems like we, we come to church and all we do is check boxes. You know, they're so forgiving over there. Boy, I... It is so hard to stay in the spirit when these phrases show up. Because if I do what I feel like saying, you know, like, uh, it would be a swerve. That's exactly right. It is not going to help their, my cause, their indictment of me if I say, yeah, I'd be swerving. So there's calculated swerving. Uh, what, what about this? Has anybody ever been trying to read a text? 
And all of a sudden, oh, sorry, sorry about that. I just pick up my phone and my wife makes the sound. I don't even have to swerve. I just pick it up. I'm like, I'm not texting. I'm just reading. Okay, I got the idea. Read it to me. You ever been talking, getting distracted? I, I love the, the countryside and the green grass and the farms and the cattle. And if I'm in row crop country, then I want to see them planting and doing all those things. The next thing I know, I'm somewhere where I shouldn't be. Just bought one of those cars that now, like, helps me drive. I turn it off because it's weird. But it, but it still beeps at me and lights light up. and you know, It's kind of helpful, really. Kind of gives me more liberty to gawk a little more. And my wife loves it because when she's not there to help me, it does. You know, we can all become distracted. And again, the application is for our church folks, but it's also, I hope we'll apply it to ourselves. Uh, you know, when we get distracted, when, when other things are more important than attending church. Have we seen our people be distracted and swerve? They make other things in their life the priority and we can see them swerving and we're almost bracing for it. We're hoping that they're going to hear the rumble strip before it's too late. We can become uh, careless and we can swerve. We're distracted when, we, when, when our Bible study isn't exactly as fresh as it should be, when our prayer life is stale, when we're just uh, doing what we need to on our Bible reading schedule. The truth of the matter is this is careless swerving. We're not really paying attention, but things are changing spiritually in us. I grew up uh, in southeastern Indiana. My dad pastored in upstate New York. And so I've had farming things and agriculture in my background. And I really just enjoy it. I find a lot of, uh, you know, just fun and, and, and decompressing and just getting out. And so, you know, through the process, my family, my dad's retired now and lives uh, just down the road from me. And my brother lives the other way. And so we live on a couple hundred acres and we have... Uh, a hundred head of cattle, and I couldn't do that pastoring, but we just like tag team at it all together, and it's just really so enjoyable, and, and yet in my own mind, I, I have to be very conscious on a weekly basis that I'm not looking forward to my day off and running from the ministry to go do something that I really enjoy. Because I know what God's called me to do. I have no qualms about that. So I have to make sure that, that I'm not carelessly swerving. Yeah. What about this one? I kind of already got into this a little bit. But what about when you're driving down the road and, uh, and uh, the passenger that's with you um, yells, watch out. My wife has a keen sense when that 18-wheeler comes six inches toward me, not into the lane, toward me, she can sense it. And I either get a verbal warning, I get her just 
grabbing a hold of the door. I don't know how that's going to help her at all. Or she's searching for the brake pedal on her side. And we do not own one of those cars that the mailmen drive. There is no steering wheel over there. There is no brake pedal over there. None of that. But every now and then, I swerve because I'm coerced to swerve. I, I'm, I'm serious. I love her dearly. I'm so glad she's not here this morning. She has no idea what she's praying for this morning. But every now and then, I swerve because she says something, not because the danger was really, in my opinion, that big of a deal. Every lady in this place is going to come up to me today and say, I'm praying for your wife. You know, uh, there's uh, lots of individuals out there who are going to be voices. Our church people go to work every day, our folks, and they're hearing things like, our church is cool. Your church is just old-fashioned. You know, our Bible is a lot easier to understand. I mean, it's all the same. You know, if you're not careful, you're going to drive your children away. Boy, I wish you could come and meet our pastor. He really loves people. Listen, they're they're not intentionally swerving. They're not trying to go off and ruin their life, but there's voices out there that are continually talking to them, and, uh, and, and they, can, they can swerve, and, and the truth of the matter is maybe just the thought or the consideration of some of those things, the swerving just for a minute and getting back on the road is not bad, but the truth of the matter is uh, uh, when they swerve to the point that they go off the road, then you and I stand there and we're heartbroken. The college student comes home, and, and it's like you, can, you already know the podcast and the garbage that he's been listening to. You, you already know where he's at. And it, it's just like he gives you this, this written essay of all the garbage that's going on. And you were there when that young man uh, was born. And you were there when he trusted Christ as his Savior. You were there when he was called to preach or, or, or uh, when, when he surrendered his life to whatever God would want him to do. And in just a few moments of some other voice out there, swerving you're taking him to lunch and you're texting him saying I'm thinking about you I missed you Sunday there's calculated swerving careless swerving coerced swerving And maybe with the deer coming across the road, those folks didn't really swerve for any of those reasons. They, crisis, swerved. It's the idea that something veered into your lane. Somebody veered into your lane. And honestly, you really felt as though you had no choice. Now, we always have a choice. That's what Dad told me. Just hang on tight and plow through that animal. And the truth is, that's always the best advice. Because that 18-wheeler with 80,000 pounds is a whole lot worse to hit than that 250-pound 
But let's be honest, life happens to you and I. Things happen. And I'm not going to give you all of the pains or the hurts or the situations with raising children or health issues or all the things that veer into our lane that cause us to, without even thinking, because a lot of times when we're in crisis swerving, we didn't even think. It was just a reaction. And our people every day are reacting to things that are in their life. And they're good people and they love the Lord and they want nothing to do with that. But the truth of the matter is something enters into their life, veers into their lane. And that crisis changes them. Can we just be honest and say that as pastors... As we're in the ministry year after year and year after year, it seems like sometimes we're in crisis mode. The hurts stack up and the betrayals get more seemingly sharp and we sometimes can insulate ourselves to where nobody can hurt us if we're not careful. And by the way, if you do that, then you're incapable of ministering to anybody. You have to be close enough to be hurt to be able to help. But I'm just saying, we've all, if we've been in the ministry more than about two days, we've, uh, we've had some crisis swerving. My wife and I, you and your spouse, you've, uh, you've had some crisis swerving. But can I just remind you that... Uh, if you react and you swerve, then get, get back on the path. Because the ditch is not where you want to be. Paul's telling Timothy, listen, don't swerve. Don't swerve. Because the swerving is just where it starts. If we don't get back, then we turn away. So... What is my advice this morning? The same as the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration. Don't swerve. And if you absolutely must swerve, if you swerve without really thinking about it, then get back on the right path. Immediately. If you're calculating a swerve, a change... You better stop and figure out who you're listening to. You better find the voice of the Holy Spirit real, real fast. Because God is not the author of confusion in the church. If you're distracted, you're careless, you need some focus. Maybe you need to set some things aside. Maybe you need to spend some more time with the Lord. But you need to focus. You need to realign your priorities. You need to figure out what God's called you to do. If you're being coerced, you better figure out who's on the Lord's side. And you better silence some voices. The scoffers, we've already heard about that. They're going to be there. And the truth of the matter is, let me just say this, they've always been there. 
We just now have the vehicle where we can listen to it more if we wanted to. I'm not even sure that it is worse. How do we qualify it? I'm sure. I, there's lots of ugly people out there that have been against us, against the Lord. If you're being coerced, you better get back into the book and get away from those other voices. There's nothing out there on the internet or in some book that you can't live without. But you're in trouble if you live without this. And so when, um, when you get into a bad situation, my, my opinion is silence all the voices that are out there till you figure out what the right voice is and put your head in the Word of God. And if you'll just drink in the truth of God's Word, it'll clean you. It'll wash you. And the Holy Spirit of God will let you know what's truth if you're being sincere. And then listen, if you're involved with some crisis swerving, don't make any decisions while you're wounded. I'm sure there's dozens and dozens of men in this room who'd be glad to sit down with you, visit with you, help you bear some burdens. Just listen. Just listen. Don't go it alone. Don't make decisions when you're wounded. Seek some help. Our church folks are dealing with dozens and dozens of situations. It's causing them to swerve. It's your job and mine to help them get back on the right path. You and I, we're dealing with all kinds of things. It's best to not swerve, but if you do, get back on the road immediately. I pray that God will use the message to be a blessing to you.